0: You heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now, here's your host, your analyst and your MC for the evening. Make
1: some noise! Justin Garcia. Yeah! Well, this one was never in doubt tonight as the Bucs blow out the Brooklyn Nets in the first half, at least, and then things started to change in those final 24 minutes. This is a Brooklyn Nets team that uh, has the most double-digit comebacks in the league this season. The most recent of those was a 28-point come-from-behind victory last week in Boston against the Celtics. But this is a very different version of those Nets. You didn't have Nick Claxton on the floor. You didn't have the Nets' best player so far, at least this iteration of the Brooklyn Nets. In Mikhail Bridges did not play in the second half of this game. A laundry list of players out of this game for the Nets to begin with on the injury report. So not the best version of the Nets. We mentioned no Claxton. No Mikhail Bridges in the second half. No Spencer Dinwiddie at all. No Cam Johnson. No Royce O'Neal. And they continue to be without Ben Simmons. It was not even role players. It was two-way players that really set the tone for the Nets in the second half. They started hitting threes. They played at a much faster pace. And they made you nervous in this game before the Bucks ultimately sealed this fittingly on the defense behind the defense, I should say, of Brooke Lopez. So you remain three games in front of the Boston Celtics in the loss column with a very difficult road trip on the horizon. Now we'll preview that road trip in greater detail and take a closer look at what's in front of the Boston Celtics because this is not over yet. We mentioned things like playoffstatus.com, the probability that they update on a nightly basis, Two days ago, the Bucs had an 81% chance at being the one seed in the Eastern Conference. They didn't play, and it dropped 79% coming into this morning. So it's all going to come down to a couple of things. What the Bucs do on this three-game road trip and on that four-game road trip that they have just in front of that Celtics game where you have back-to-back games in Utah and Denver, what the Bucks do on those two road trips, seven road games between now and the 30th when you play the Celtics. But more importantly, what happens in that game on the 30th? We are still a ways away from determining who is going to be the one seed. But all things considered, all the time, Chris Middleton missed earlier in the season. Pat Connaughton missed. Joe Ingles missed. Giannis. Already missing double-digit games. Drew Holiday out of the lineup at times earlier in the season. Bobby Portis missing about a month of the season. For all of that to have occurred, and the Bucks now three games in front of the Celtics in the loss column despite all those absences, you certainly feel very good about where this team is headed. And nights like tonight, once you get to this midpoint in March, it doesn't so much matter how it looks. The aesthetics of the win aren't important. It's just winning those games and not picking up any losses. That's what you're focused on at this point of the season when that one seed remains ever important for reasons we've discussed and will continue to discuss in these coming days. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Old National Bank, get old. This uh, was... Speaking of old, a turn back the clock night from Brooke Lopez. But it was the defense of Brooke Lopez playing against the team in the Brooklyn Nets where he is the number one leading scorer in franchise history. We are talking about it a little bit before the game, but as soon as this game ended, during one of the breaks, having a chance to talk about things with the Brooklyn Nets radio broadcast team of Brooke Lopez, when he played for you guys, do you remember anything like this defensively? And the answer is no. He was just such a different player in Brooklyn. Jacques Vaughn talked about it a little bit before the game, too. We've heard a number of coaches basically repeat what Jacques Vaughn said or put this in different ways. Watching what Brooke Lopez has done this season, how remarkable uh, it's been that he's a unique individual, It's very impressive when you consider what his game used to look like. I was a part of a staff that coached the old version of Brook Lopez, is what Jacques Vaughn had to say. Still has that version, but he's continued to grow his game. That's impressive for anyone, but especially this stage in his career. He's having fun. He's winning. I'm just impressed with what he's doing. And it gets back to the point of Brook Lopez, the all-time leading scorer in Brooklyn Nets history. You didn't think about Brook Lopez's defense, and I would take it a step further and say Brook Lopez was viewed mostly as a negative defensive player his time with the Nets. You fast forward to now, whereas we were talking about towards the end of this game, you can make a very strong case that Brook Lopez should be the defensive player of the year. We've heard the case for Giannis, and it's a solid case. You can make a case for Drew Holiday. So Brook Lopez is the guy. The start of the year, when we saw him contesting and blocking shots at the rate he was, we started thinking, Well, is Brook Lopez going to be not only an All Defensive player, but could he be the Defensive Player of the Year? And those talks have continued to pick up now with what he has done throughout this season. Nine blocked shots tonight, the most he's ever had in his career, and the second most in Bucks franchise history. Consider all of this is coming a year after Brook Lopez missed two-thirds of the season due to back surgery, and a lot of people, maybe not within the organization, but certainly outside, a lot of people had some questions over what is this going to mean for the future of Brook Lopez and how long can he play like this. This is maybe the best season Brook Lopez has had in his career. And I know he was an offensive, a dominant offensive player early on with the Brooklyn Nets, but this has to be the best season Brooke Lopez has put together on both ends of the floor. 8556161620. the old National Bank talk and text line to join us. Let's head out to the phone lines and uh, talk with Will I.M. You kick things off.
2: Well yeah, what up? Bucks talk? Justin, the crew, how we doing? Hey, I got three little points here, and then I'll let this show keep on going. Man, you got to tell me that back surgery, doing Brooke Lopez, so many numbers here. Again, nine massive blocks, really aggressive, and his trajectory of how he was tracking the block on some of those plays, huge. I'm so happy that he's a defensive monster. And like you said, the Nets never really had that from him. The other two points, pardon me, uh, Bobby Portis, huge double-double, obviously we needed that big from him, and Chris was a big moment, down the stretch as well, and he looked a little rusty, but I'm happy he's back and happy he's in the game. Justin, what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, no, and, and look, the Chris thing, too, and thanks for the call, he continues to... When you watch this offense, you obviously need Chris Middleton, not only his his scoring ability. It wasn't a great night in terms of efficiency for uh, Chris Middleton, And, and I suppose it's disappointing on the heels of what he did against the Orlando Magic, where the minutes were just a shade beneath the most he had played this season. He matched his career high in scoring. Overall, he just looked really good. Tonight, he wasn't the same score, but it was some of his passing, and I know he and Drew Holiday led the team with seven assists, the Bucks, as a team, their ball movement early in this game was really one of the bigger stories. For a while, it was, you know, for every field goal, it was assisted. It was just uh, two fewer assists than field goals for most of the first half. And when you looked up and down the stat sheet, it wasn't a Drew Holiday game because we've seen that earlier in the season, a handful of times, where the Bucks' assist numbers were relatively high, but you looked at it and, and Drew Holiday had maybe three-quarters of those assists. That wasn't the case tonight. It was everybody on the floor in the first half. Every player that entered this game for the Bucks had at least one assist. And nobody in those first 24 minutes, nobody had more than three. So it was everyone moving the basketball, creating those open looks, and that's when this team is just so deadly, especially when Giannis is on the floor. Uh, but Chris Middleton's passing is integral to that. Joe Ingles is another guy that just has that chemistry and has continued to develop that with Brooke Lopez. But it's it's really Chris Middleton and Joe Ingles, the guys that just know how to get the ball to Brooke Lopez the best. Not that Drew Holiday does a bad job or Giannis does a bad job. But there's even more of a connection there with Chris Middleton and uh, Brooke Lopez. And I'll take it a step farther, too. Those are the two guys that just seem to have those pocket passes down best and get the ball to their teammates while they're moving towards the basket. We've talked about turnovers quite a bit this season, and it became an issue tonight. In the case of Joe Ingles especially, Coach Budenholzer has talked about this a couple of times this season, his turnovers seem to occur on plays like that when you're trying to maybe thread the needle but just get the ball to your teammate in a position to score. And as Bud has said, We'll live with those. If it's a if it's a play or a pass you're looking to make to get your teammates involved and to increase your chances of scoring, we'll live with that opposed to some of the other turnovers you see. And Chris may have not had it in terms of shooting the ball tonight, but I thought his passing, once again, was very good. And, and look, this offense stuck down in the bottom five for large portions of this season and in the 20s. I haven't seen where it's at after tonight's game. It certainly seemed like this was trending towards a great game for the offensive rating that tailed off a bit in the second half. But suddenly with this team healthy, with Chris Middleton's passing on the floor, with Joe Ingles getting more and more comfortable, even adding a piece like Jay Crowder, which we'll get to in a moment, what we saw from Jake Crowder tonight, uh, suddenly the offense has started to push towards the top 15. And as we mentioned a couple of times... You know your defense is going to be in the top three. If you can get that offense close to ten, I don't expect it to be a top five. It was third last year. It's not going to be that. If your offense can be a top ten, close to that, that's a good sign for this team moving into the playoffs. 855-616-1620. The Old National Bank talking text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Three straight wins for the Bucks. After that 16 game win streak was snapped by the Sixers, and now a big, big three game Western Conference road trip. It starts Saturday in San Francisco against the Warriors. They played tonight. We'll take a look at those splits and the dichotomy that there is. Warriors' home and road performance. They played tonight, it was on the road. I think you know what that means and what the result was. But we'll take a look at some of those Warriors splits, home versus road, and the Phoenix Suns, the game that was putting an end to this three-game road trip. A couple of weeks ago, you thought this is going to be an even more challenging road trip. This Suns team has started to round into form, and now they have Kevin Durant. Well, not so fast as that changed last night as well. We'll take a look at the road trip after this on Bucks Talk.
0: Edmund Sumner into the front court. Tries to get around Ingles. Ingles with a quick hands, knocks it free, but he picks it up again before he hands it off to Watanabe. And there is a grown man's shot block from Brooke Lopez. I mean, that was of the Karch Karai variety as he spikes it out to the near sideline. That's his fourth block already in this half
1: wasn't even halfway to the final tally after that finishes with nine blocked shots the most in his career and the second most in Bucks franchise history 10 is the record that was done by Larry Sanders and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, Sanders by the way did it in about uh, 36 minutes of play Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did that in an overtime game. So if we're looking at regulation games, Larry Sanders holds the record for most blocks in a Bucks game. But just most blocks, period, doesn't matter how many minutes played. Larry Sanders and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the most with 10. And Brooke Lopez, another double-double as well. I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we started to see double-doubles happening with a little more regularity for Brooke in all of the games he has played as a member of the bucks prior to this season just 9 double-doubles in those games in a bucks uniform so you take away the 65 now that he has played this season for brook lopez it was 232 games he'd played in the bucks uniform 9 double-doubles 60 plus games now this season from uh, Brooke Lopez, and we'll get to the, the numbers for Brooke. And again, the question of, is this the best season Brooke Lopez has had in his entire career? Eight double-doubles this season, so there's a very good chance. He is going to match the double-double total he had in a Bucks uniform the previous four seasons this year with what he has done. He has been absolutely remarkable. 855-616-1620, the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank gets old. I mentioned the Bucks' offense slowly creeping into areas. You love to see still the second-best defensive rating at 109.6. Uh, Memphis also at 109.6. The Cleveland Cavaliers are at 109.4. So not a whole lot of margins there. For the top three teams in defensive rating slowly but surely though they're knocking on the door of the top 15 in offensive rating uh, tied with the memphis grizzlies and the indiana pacers for the 17th best offensive rating in the league this season the raptors at 113.8 just two percentage points in front of the bucks who are 113.6 so again not a whole lot of separation once you get around 15 or 14. So the Bucks with a chance to continue this climb. All of this has changed since Chris Middleton returned to the floor. And that's not to say this is all due to Chris Middleton. It's all due to this team being healthy and giving you more options. They are 18-1 since Chris Middleton returned to the floor and... A 118.9 offensive rating in those games played. That's sixth best in the league during that stretch. A 108.1 defensive rating, best in the league during that stretch, and even better than what their season average is. Their net rating is the best in the league. So they are in the top almost five, but in the top six, in offensive rating, defensive rating, and net rating since this team has moved close, close, not there yet, but close to full strength and gotten healthier. And, look, net rating isn't the indicator of who's going to win the championship. It is a very good indicator of who are the best teams in the league. But you got to go back about five or so years since the team with the best net rating um was the team that won the championship? Bucks are right there now. We're seeing these net rating numbers and the defensive rating numbers, how much that's changed the last 10 years. This is going to be the lowest net rating we have seen in quite some time. 5.6 right now is the best. That belongs to both the Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. That's a pretty good indicator that you're a good team. But the Bucks, a net rating of four, it may not seem like great. But you have six teams lumped in there at around four to five and a half. The Cavs and the Celtics with the best. The Bucs and Memphis Grizzlies both have a net rating of four. The Nuggets and 76ers both have a net rating of 4.2. So slowly but surely, that separation we've talked about all season long, you've pointed to, well, I, I still trust the Bucks. Now the numbers are starting to back it up that by the numbers, the six best teams we see. By those statistics, for the most part, are the six best records we see in basketball. The Bucks are up there, the Celtics, the Sixers, uh, the Denver Nuggets, the Memphis Grizzlies are up there as well. And then you got the Cavaliers who, again, all this talk, and I'm guilty of that, of the New York Knicks. Well, can the Knicks be this surprise team? Cleveland Cavaliers have a lot to say about that as well. And that boils down to this number one seed. This isn't meant as a sign of disrespect because you look at these numbers and you say, well, Cleveland has the best net rating. Cleveland has the best defensive rating. Donovan Mitchell changes things dramatically for that offense. You would still rather face the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Brooklyn Nets in the second round, Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks in the second round, than you would the Philadelphia 76ers or the Boston Celtics. Cleveland Cavaliers are a very, very good team. But you can make a strong case the three best teams in all of the NBA are the Bucs, the Celtics, and the 76ers. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Up next for the Bucks, a trip to San Francisco to take on the Warriors. The differences statistically between the Warriors at home and on the road are startling. We will share those with you and... A deeper look at some of these numbers from Brooke Lopez. Is this, in fact, the best season in Brooke Lopez's career? We'll share the numbers with you after this on Bucks Talk.
0: holiday has got it. Pulls up. Three-pointer on the way. No good. Rebound tipped in by Lopez. Oh, was that a big tip?
1: Woo! Brooke Lopez, that's a putback off a Holiday miss. May have sealed this game, and, and Brooke Lopez himself sealed this win for the Bucks. That play offensively, the nine blocks as well. He was the guy tonight, as he has been for large portions of this season. 855-616-1620, the Old National Bank talk and text line. That's the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. And let's just look at some of these numbers for Brook Lopez, because the more you look at it, the harder it is to dispute this at age 34. This is the best season of Brook Lopez's career. 15 seasons in the league, and it feels like this is it. It took this long. Not that Brooke Lopez ever had uh, struggled to get here, but it feels like 15 years in, He is at his best, better than he has been before. So, in his career, 10,000 points scored as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. 10,444. That remains number one on the franchise all-time scoring list. But, it's not just the narrative of, man, can you believe how good Brooke Lopez looks uh, one year removed from back surgery. That in itself is impressive. But when you take a look at some of these numbers, that's what makes it even more impressive. His effective field goal percentage just under 60%. 596, that is the best, the highest he has had in his career. Right now, 38% shooting on threes. And look, Brook Lopez with the Brooklyn Nets, where nine of those 15 seasons were played, he was not a three-point shooter. But Brook Lopez's three-point shooting percentage right now at 38%, 382. That is the highest three-point shooting percentage Brook Lopez has had in his career. And you look at year by year in Brooklyn, it wasn't until his final year there in 15-16 that he got up to 14 three-point attempts. In those nine years, he made three three three-pointers. Think about that. Three three-pointers that he made in those nine years. Uh, 137, I beg your pardon. The final year he took 387 and made 134. But it was really that last year where he knew my future isn't in Brooklyn. i got to start to remake my career. It's, it goes in hand-in-hand in hand with that comment that we, we read earlier in the show from Jacques Vaughn who had a chance to coach Brook Lopez, was a member of staffs that had Brook Lopez and said, totally different guy. He was a back-to-the-basket guy. You've heard the Bucks refer to that as Brooklyn Brook. Much, much different version, and credit to him. At that point in his career, at 28 years old, Brook Lopez saying, look, I see where this league is headed. I know I'm not going to be in Brooklyn. I know i got to do things differently. I have to transform my game and he put together 134 made threes, 112 made threes his first and only year with the Lakers, then a career-best 187 made threes his first year in Milwaukee in 2018, made 102, did things a little bit differently, but also uh, that was the season where you only played 73 games, made 130 uh, 102, and then in another shortened season where you played 72 games, made 95, Last year, he played 13 games, made 19 threes. Last year, it took a little bit of time, and it's also apropos that we talk about this three-game road trip. Brooke Lopez's return right around this time last year in Sacramento against the Kings, where he made his return after playing in Game 1 of the season, not hearing from him again, all the way until March. We're fast approaching the anniversary of, of that as well. But so far this season, Brooke Lopez, with 121 made threes so far, he is a 38% three-point shooter, six and a half plus rebounds per game, 6.6 is the actual number. That is the most he has had since 2015-16, and now two and a half blocks per game this season. The most he has averaged in his career not only that the most blocks he's had in a season was 179 his first year in milwaukee where he played every single game except for the regular season finale 81 games 179 blocks he followed it up with 163 blocks that next year this year he's already up to 161 blocked shots and again 65 games played for brooke lopez this season he has truly been remarkable the 15 points per game that he is scoring this season is the most he has scored in a bucks uniform this is far and away the best season of his career 10 years ago he was an all-star it's the same conversation we had about drew holiday where all the attention went into man drew holiday is one of the most underrated players in the league he is long overdue to get back into the all-star game And quietly, Brook Lopez has had a similar case. Now, statistically, how he impacts the game, that's your bigger argument, the impact defensively. Statistically, Drew Holiday has had a much stronger argument the last couple of years. When you ask his peers, listen to what Paul Pierce said just the other day. We got Russell Westbrook because we thought, we being me and Kawhi and Terrence Mann, we can handle point guard. But when you go against a guy like Drew Holiday, you realize – I don't want to play point guard. Let somebody else bring the ball up the floor. Let him take them. Comments like that you hear over and over. Drew Holiday's been long overdue, but at this point, 10 years since Brooke Lopez was an all-star, the reality is he's not getting back there again. His statistics, his numbers, they're never going to be deemed to be all-star worthy. We started to have that discussion with the rebounds. When you look at the numbers, six and a half rebounds a game, for a seven-footer you look at and you say, well, it's not impressive. But you see some of the little things he does, the boxing out, the way he creates rebounding opportunities for his team. He's played like an all-star this season. And you can make a very strong case, Brook Lopez is the defensive player of the year. But by the numbers, this has been the best season of his career. Even better than the all-star campaign when he averaged 19 points per game, just under seven rebounds per game and two blocked shots what he has done at this age after back surgery to put up the numbers this has been the best season of his career and it's coming from a 34 year old player again a year removed from back surgery 855-616-1620 the old national bank talk and text line when we come back The three-game road trip that begins Saturday night in San Francisco against the Warriors. One of those teams on the road trip is currently in action midway through the third quarter. We'll update you on that score in Sacramento. But these splits, how jarring they are. The Warriors on the road and the Warriors at home. We'll take a look at them after this on Buck's Talk.
0: The Round Ball Repartee returns. This is Buck's Talk. Watanabe misses from the left wing, and here's that baseball-style pass from Middleton all the way down the court to Portis, who lays it in. I mean, it was placed with precision accuracy to where only Bobby could get it. That was a heck of a pass.
1: 118-113 final here inside the Fiserv Forum. Bucks take down the Brooklyn Nets, and really, I guess we should say the Bucks survive the Brooklyn Nets tonight as a uh, Brooklyn second half charge really made this one interesting. Um, but the Bucks able to make the biggest plays down the stretch thanks to the man who was having the best season of his career. Brooke Lopez needed just one more blocked shot for a triple double with blocks and rebounds. And uh, mentioned after the game as well when he was asked, Has he ever had a triple double? He said he did in college. But uh, obviously, never in the pros. And that one in college, as Brooks said, was also with blocked shots. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the old National Bank talking text line. Still, some time to hear from you tonight on Bucks Talk. There is one game in action right now in Sacramento. The Kings lead the Knicks eighty-seven to sixty-six. Eighty-seven to seventy-six. I beg your pardon. So a chance as soon as we wrap up here for you to do some scouting on these Sacramento Kings who are still near the top of the standings in the Western Conference. No one's catching the Denver Nuggets. They are going to finish the West with the best record. They're 46-20, and but the Memphis Grizzlies are second at 39-26. and If the Kings win tonight, they're back into the two spot. Think about that, the, uh, the drought that the Kings have had since they last made the postseason, you thought there was a decent chance Sacramento could be a playoff team this season with the coaching change, bringing in Mike Brown with some of the tinkering they did the last year plus. And you think back to that trade, at the trade deadline a season ago that caught everybody off guard, sending Tyrese Halliburton to the Indiana Pacers for Domas Sabonis, it was not received well by most basketball insiders. You looked at the two players and you thought, well, Demata Sabonis puts up statistics. He's not a rim protector. He's not a guy that shoots the ball all that well. He's an okay three-point shooter. It seems like the upside is much higher with Tyrese Halliburton. This seems like a bad trade for the Sacramento Kings, but that deal has helped both teams immensely. Pacers are still in contention for a play-in tournament spot. The Sacramento Kings, that move... Open the door for a player like De'Aaron Fox to continue to get better. You make some other moves, bringing in a guy like Kevin Herter, who's been in some big playoff moments and hit some big playoff shots. And again, a coach that has been in those moments, in Mike Brown, it's led to this revival in Sacramento, and that is going to be a tough game on Monday night. But it starts in San Francisco with the Golden State Warriors. And we mentioned Warriors home and road splits are truly bizarre. The reigning NBA champions are 27-7 and seven at home. And you think, well, that's not surprising. Third best home record in the Western Conference, as it should be. The Warriors have always been a very good home team. They're defending champions. They should be a good home team. And then you look at their overall record and see they are one game over 500. Despite having won 20 more games at home than they have lost, seven and 26 on the road. The only teams in the West that have been worse away from home are the six and 27 San Antonio Spurs and the six and 28 Houston Rockets. Both those teams, by the way, have been eliminated from the postseason. In all of basketball, you add in the Detroit Pistons, who are 7-26. and 26. They've also been eliminated from the postseason. So the Warriors have the fourth-worst road record, and the teams that they're down there with are the only three teams still not alive in the postseason. It's not just the wins and losses that are startling. At home, the Golden State Warriors have the sixth-best net rating in the league trailing the Memphis Grizzlies, who are 27-5, and 5, the Denver Nuggets, who are an NBA best 30-5, the Bucks, who are 28-6, Celtics and Cavaliers, and then you have the Golden State Warriors. On the road, for as bad as the Warriors have been, again, a negative 6.6 net rating. Their defense, a 119 defensive rating. By contrast, at home, a 108.1 defensive rating the defense has been really bad on the road the offensive rating three points per 100 possessions worse on the road than they have been at home three-point shooting also falls off a cliff and they've dealt with a number of issues we've talked about the bucks injury issues Steph Curry has missed some extended time this season Andrew Wiggins is still away from the team for personal reasons. You made a trade at the deadline sending out James Wiseman, bringing in Gary Payton II. You still haven't seen Gary Payton II this season on the floor with the Warriors. So they've been dealing with some issues. Dante DiVincenzo has played very well for them, but this is a very, very good team at home and a very, very bad team on the road. You've already beaten them here in Milwaukee, and now you get your chance to face them on the road. So that is going to be a big game on Saturday because I mentioned the Boston Celtics embark on a six-game road trip coming up on Saturday. It starts in Atlanta against the Hawks, but really save for that game against the Sacramento Kings. None of those games are all that challenging, at least on paper. There is a very real chance the Celtics could go 5-1 and one on this road trip. They play nine games between now and now. And March 30th, when they come here to Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. The Bucks play 10 games. So here's why that lost column number and winning tonight, you can be frustrated that the Bucks watched a big lead slip away and it went all the way down to the wire. But winning the 118 number versus the 113 number is what's most important and the biggest takeaway from this because. We are in that stretch drive towards the postseason. You just have to win games. Here's why that three number is important. Three games in the loss column separating the Bucs and the Celtics because six-game road trip for the Celtics, nine games between now and the 30th when they play the Bucs. Three-game road trip followed by a three-game homestand. Very winnable games on that homestand followed by a four-game road trip where at least two of those games should be extremely winnable for the Bucs. So 10 games on the Bucks' schedule between now and that final matchup with the Celtics. If you go just 500, 5-5, five and, five, and the Celtics go 7-2 and two with a couple of tough games towards the end, play very, very good, go 7-2, and two, you're tied for the best record in the Eastern Conference coming into that matchup on the 30th. So Saturday night, it's going to be tough, but we assume the Warriors are still going to be without two big wing pieces in Andrew Wiggins and certainly in Gary Payton II. Winning this game tonight and keeping that margin at three and, oh, by the way, getting some more rest for Giannis was big and that game to close the road trip i'm going to be very curious to see what happens monday night in sacramento because it's a king's team that remains very good at home it's a king's team that plays at an incredibly fast pace not ideal to have going into a back-to-back you did get some help because it's also night two of a back-to-back for the phoenix suns and the bigger dose of help that the bucks got kevin durant is not going to be playing in that game so it's going to be very similar to the Phoenix Suns, identical to the Phoenix Suns that you saw here in Milwaukee. The hope, of course, that you'll have Giannis on the floor, and we saw how that worked out for the Bucks. So it started as a very, very daunting road trip on paper. It is still going to be tough. You still have teams, all three of them, in the top five in the Western Conference. But it suddenly does look a little bit easier, and if you can win two of those three games. It puts an incredible amount of pressure on the Boston Celtics to do better than that. To have a 5-1 or better six game road trip. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Just a couple of minutes left on the show. We'll take a look at some more numbers from the Warriors and wrap things up after this on Bucks Talk. Ain't no way they can stop me now, daddy, 118-113, the final score here in Milwaukee. The Bucks pick up their third straight win after watching that 16-game win streak come to an end at the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers. Speaking of Philly, they're back on the floor tomorrow taking on the Portland Trailblazers, so we'll see if, uh, as of right now, that four-and-a-half game lead the Bucks currently hold over the Sixers can increase at all to uh, five games, or if Philly narrows that margin, down to four. It's still two and a half over the Boston Celtics and three in the loss column as the Bucks remain the only team in the NBA yet to lose 20 games this season. And uh, Boston... Gets a couple of days off before they begin that six-game road trip. Saturday night, same night, the Bucks begin a three-game Western Conference road trip in San Francisco against the Warriors. 7.30 tip time in the Bay. 7 o'clock is when our pregame coverage begins with Dave Kane and myself. My thanks to everybody for tuning in and interacting with us once again and to Justin Pottinger for producing the show. We will talk to you Saturday night with more Bucks Talk. See you guys Saturday.